Welcome to this inspiring message by Paul Van Essen at Greater Life Church. For more information about us, do visit our website www.greaterlife.org.uk. It has been a phenomenally warfaring season. Uh, this week, no different. Uh, worse, probably. If worse is the right word, just tough. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean you defeat it, but it means that you have to be real about what is uh, going on and, uh, and be honest with people about the challenges that life proposes. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. And there are seasons of it, just like there are in the earth. There are spiritual seasons of war. And we have that. You see it in the book of Revelation, when actually in the book of Revelation, there's war in heaven that goes on. Um, so it is a real thing. And I'm very conscious of the fact that, uh, I mean, as a leader, normally what I will face and Carrie and I will face will be uh, a, a comprom- um, connected with what people are facing, because that's part of what leadership does. And so we're conscious of the fact that people are going through challenges. And uh, I had a couple of conversations with people this week that are just just awful challenges of life. And then, boy, Tuesday night when we did that song, and uh, thank you for being part of our service and thank you for worshipping along with us. We sung uh, a song called Raise a Hallelujah, which we've been really excited to redo. And honestly, uh, what normally takes 45 minutes, we were there for two and a half hours bit more, uh, and nearly everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, you know, and sometimes that's life, but often, especially if you're moving forward in God, it is a, a spiritual wrestling that's going on. And so we've been talking about that, and uh, we will continue to to delve into that over the next couple of weeks, but I wanted to at least introduce uh, our thoughts. And so I get to talk uh, part of the reason that happens is because the things we're talking about are important and the devil would love for it not to get out to you. That's really his concern. Words have such power and the word of God has so much power that if he can possibly try and muffle or hinder or discourage me or carry or anyone else in leadership uh, to the point where they don't bring the word of God with the same conviction or they just wind back, that would be his victory. And uh, that's why we persist and win. Okay, got that out of our system now. So two great topics today, uh, just a short teaching now on giving, on finance, actually. The topic is actually um, God and your finances. And I promised I would do you, because we don't talk a lot about it. Uh, We mention it uh, most weeks, but we don't give it a lot of attention. And we need to, because the Bible does. And because your financial world is an enormous part of your joy, your success, and your fruitfulness in life. Uh, If you have financial resources, you can experience the blessing that God has designed for you. But you can also contribute to um, to the work of God. Uh, in the earth. So in this last week, I know they're watching over there in Pakistan with us today. And Sebastian also went through a real season of warfare. 
Um, he was in hospital this week for several days. We spoke eventually on the um, WhatsApp. Uh, they would have loved for him to stay in there another week waiting for a procedure, uh, which is really just to see if there are any issues and problems. Um, and uh, a hospital there is not at all like it is here. So we encouraged him that if there was no ongoing difficulty, why don't you go out and do what God's called you to do and then come back for the procedure rather than just lying there as long as the doctors were happy. So he did that. And I say that to say, uh, you know, we are in the process this month of feeding 16 families. Now, if we had a lot more resource, let's just say you all had uh, 10 times as much money and therefore you gave 10 times as much, then we'd be feeding 160 families. Uh, you have to staff that. Obviously, there are logistics involved. But my point is that the more you have, if your heart is to be a giver, the more you can do. So God is most interested in your financial yeah. world. Um, last week, I started in this little mini-series that will run a month or so on the fact, simple point, that God's intention, His desire, His will for your life is always to outrageously bless you in every area which includes finance and material things. That is always His desire. There is numerous reasons why we go through challenges with that but you've got to get an understanding of the heart of God. He does not take pleasure in his children having not enough. His joy is that they have an abundant life. This week, the topic I want to share with you in these few minutes now is called the purpose of life. What is the purpose of life? I want to suggest to you that the purpose of life is giving. That's what we're here for, giving. And giving includes finance, obviously, but it's not only finance. If your life is not about giving, it's essentially of no value. That's a big statement. Chew on that for a minute. You've missed the point. If your life is not about giving outside of yourself, then you've missed the point of life. And your life at the end will have little or no value. You are not on the earth. No person is on the earth to accumulate. So I'm speaking to Christian people and I'm speaking about biblical principles. But there are things that, that apply across the board. No person was put on the earth just to accumulate. Your, what your life becomes by the end of it is not what you accumulate, but only what you give. What you give away. If you accumulate a lot and you give just a little, then your life had a small value. It was mostly wasted. It's about, life is about what you leave in the earth, because as we all know, you can't take anything with you. And so the only real value of life, I know it's a strong statement, is what you give with your life. What, you, what comes out of you and goes into somebody else. I want you to understand that because when we talk about God and finance, the New Testament principle, and we will cover tithing at, at some point in these next few weeks, but before we even get to that, I want you to understand God's intention to bless you and God's purpose for your life to be a giver. For many Christian people who do tithe, tithing ends up becoming almost a legalistic thing. 
And the point of life is not to, you know, legalistically give God 10% and then do the, the point of life is what can I invest and leave in other lives in the earth? Now, I want to add to that this point, and this will be our point for today. The whole world, everything that we see and everything that goes on around us, the entire planet works on the principle of seeds. Seed, time and harvest, Ecclesiastes talks about, will always be in the earth. Everything works on the principle of seeds. You can see that in creation. God set that in motion. So, so every plant, he said, would bear fruit of its own kind or reproduce after its own kind. Here in England, you know, well, everywhere, whether you have raspberries, which we have in the garden and are still going, they have little seeds on the outside of them. You plant raspberry seeds and all you'll ever get will be a raspberry. And it's amazing because everything about that raspberry, the stalk, the size of the leaves, the texture of the leaves, where the, where the raspberries grow, how big they grow, the color they are, everything about a raspberry is, is hidden in that little seed. It's miraculous. And everything works like that. If it didn't work like that, there'd be no human race, there'd be no life because the planet would produce nothing. Everything we produce will come out of, like the, the very base level of life, comes out of the fact that we plant things in the earth and it produces more than you planted. If it only ever produced the same amount that you planted, we'd never get anywhere. You'd die <laughs> because you're not gaining anything. So God has built into creation a system where when you plant, you get plenty more back. And that is exactly how it works with finance as with everything else. You get more than what you sowed back again, and you'll get exactly the same thing that you sowed. Now, that's true of people. The most miraculous thing, you know, I'm thinking of people in our church today that recently had a baby uh, and uh, little Eva. And I know this, that... Uh, you know, and I've had uh, children, raised children, had three of my own natural children and then helped raise four other children. And I would say that it's almost universal that there is nothing more miraculous in life, I would argue, maybe being born again. But you know what I'm saying. Miraculous in life than that two people can go through a, a process which is uh, designed by God to be highly pleasurable. And you take the love of one person and the love of another person and they join. And then half the seed of one person, the seed of another person join. And you get, nine months later, a child. Which you're going to treasure for the rest of your life. And which has some seed from the father and some seed from the mother. That is the most astounding thing. And if that doesn't make people... Look in the face of that child and think, my God, how great is God? How did this ever happen? Give me a break. We started as crayfish and now we are in a hospital room or we're going home with this baby and it all just happened because of millions of years. It's, that's a separate point, but 
It is a stunning thing. Now, the principle is exactly the same. And the wonder of a child, of course, is that it picks up some from the parent, each parent. And the wonder is, too, that a human person is made in the image of God and has a spirit that God gives. So there's a part of every child that is not a part of the mother, not a part of the father, but is their own designed by God in heaven. And each person has to discover what that is. So that's all through life in principle. Ideas are seeds. A seed thought. Once upon a time, people never flew. When Paul preached the gospel, they walked everywhere. In the in, in then earlier in this uh, millennia, so I don't know, 500 years ago, I'm not really sure, but I love England. And one of the things I love about England is these canals we've made. And... Uh, and they have those, what do you call those tracks that run alongside a canal? Towpath, right? Where horses used to tow goods in a boat down a canal or down a river. And that was way before um, we had uh, trains. Trains were kind of the late 1800s, second half of the 1800s, I think, around there. Um, steam power and that whole industrial revolution. So way before that, you moved things on a boat in a river by uh, a, a horse pulling it along, or people could pull it along. And then you had these people that thought, what about if we could actually be like birds and fly? And now we can, subject to COVID, we can fly and we don't even think twice about the fact that we're in a little metal tube and up we go and an hour later we're in Paris or Amsterdam or whatever, or 24 hours or later, we're in Australia or whatever. Um, but see, now that is a seed. That was a thought of a seed in the heart of not just will, uh, what, what were their names, the Wright brothers. Others had the same ideas. But everything that's been created, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's the clothing that you're wearing, the design that you've got, everything, whether it's the hairstyle you've got, whether it's the way the house is built and the way the windows look, Everything started with a seed, an idea. It was never there. Somebody thought, wouldn't it be good if we had that? And then they, that seed gave birth if somebody worked with that seed to create something. The whole world works like that. So much so that in Matthew, Mark chapter 4, Jesus teaches the, what we call the parable of the sower. Man went out to sow. And at the end of that passage, it's in, I've got my notes here, it's in Mark 4, verses 1 to 13. And at the end of that, Jesus says, if you don't get this parable, how are you going to understand all the other parables? In other words, there's something in this principle of sowing and reaping that is foundational to all of life. Giving, sowing and reaping. When you give, now we, we can then quote, and I'm going to close up here because this is where I got my little Bible quote for. Is this helping you today, though? Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Mark, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter. Now, the word give occurs multiple times in the New Testament. and We're not doing a super detailed study, um, but you remember when God moved so powerfully in the early in the book of Acts and numerous people sold their houses and gave all the proceeds from the house sale at the feet of the men of God, the apostles, 
who were leading this move of God, this great awakening to God. We're not saying that's what you have to do. We're saying that when God moved in a powerful way, they saw what that something happened in their hearts where they, they realized giving is more valuable than holding on. Now, you've got to live on the planet. But what most of us do is err way on the side of holding on to stuff that we don't need or buying nice things for ourselves that we don't need. So Carrie and I often talk about this. And, and we've been blessed. Uh, we're in the Western world, so we're blessed. Uh, we've had education, so we're blessed. But if all my our life is about is just getting, you know, we often think, so we, we're after like 20 years for me in this house, when the kitchen was old when we moved here. It was dated by 20 years when we moved here. Carrie loves the kitchen. It's her favorite room in the house. I'm not going to tell you which room my favorite is. Probably the prayer room, I think. But anyway, um, you know, that's being done. And so we're going through that process. And that's But we're like in our second half of our 50s. And we're finally getting a kitchen. Uh, and we could have done that earlier. And there are different things you can do. But we are want to live a life that gives. And we often think, you know, you can add this and add that. And then we think about our friends in Pakistan and we think, yeah, but what if we, like, so the cars we drive, we could afford to drive much more expensive cars. Both our cars are more than 10 years old. They're decent cars, but they're not very expensive. And we would rather do that because that frees up cash, which helps feed families in Pakistan. I'm not trying to be some great martyr. I'm far from the only one that does that. But it's how you think about life. We accumulate stuff we don't need. And we spend things on ourselves that are way beyond what is necessary when we could be investing our lives and being givers. That's the principle of the New Testament. Let me read you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly. Now, this whole passage, chapter 8 and chapter 9, you can read it yourself, two whole chapters. The whole thing is talking about finance and giving an offering to the church in need in Jerusalem. The whole two chapters talks about that. So now he comes into, so in verse 1 he says, there's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. What service? Giving money. In verse 6, now remember this in this context. Remember, whoever sows sparingly. What's he talking about? Money, giving money. Sowing, giving money is sowing. Whoever sows a little bit, Whoever sows sparingly will only reap a little bit. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And so he's talking, it's the same principle as, as the, the raspberries. If you put in uh, one raspberry plant, you'll get more than one raspberry back. But if you put in 10 raspberry plants, it's exponential. You know what I mean? The, the, so it's the same principle. So what you do with your finance, he's saying here, so you can sow sparingly or you can sow abundantly. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. In other words, don't give under pressure from people. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give under compulsion. God loves you to be cheerful and happy about giving. And then God's able to bless you abundantly. Listen to this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, and this, I mean, the whole two passages is fantastic. 
But the principle is that giving is what life is all about. And I make a practice, and I, ever since I discovered that, and I remember, you know, back in Australia, we used to pay $2 then to cross the Harbour Bridge. I've told you this story, not for a while. And you have to stop at a toll booth. It's different now. It's all done electronically. And you'd stop at a toll booth and pay the guy $2. And once I discovered this, I started to give, I'd give my $2 and then I'd give a $2 coin for the guy behind me. And I'd say, look, that's my friend behind me. Pay for them. And uh, and then we'd look, you know, in the rear view mirror. We were just young and they'd explain it. And the guy, you know, didn't know me at all. That's just a little example of giving. But there are all kinds of ways that, that you can give. So for us, we look at situations in our life where we think, how can we give? How can we help this situation? Why don't I stop saying just, oh, God bless you, may he help you. Why don't I dig into my pocket and find somebody in need and do something for them that they can't do for themselves? That's another thing. We, another way we give. Another way we give is if we go and have a meal with somebody or we visit with somebody. Now, I don't want a whole lot of invitations now. But what we always try and do is go over and above. So if we bring wine, we'll bring nice wine. If we bring flowers, we'll bring nice flowers. We'll do more than is average. We, we want to be people that deposited something in somebody else's life. Um, and we always have lived that way. Um, so everything we look at in life is about how can we give and the older I get the more I want to live that way I want to I, I remember John Wesley lived exactly like this when he said um, he wanted to get to the end of his life and have nothing in his bank account and he was always giving to one thing or another and for him it was a victory it was an achievement it was a life well spent if when on my final day I've discharged financially. I've helped in whatever way I possibly can. I hope that's inspired you today. I've taken a couple of more minutes than I thought I would, but I think it's going to be of benefit to people to understand that God wants to bless you and that the great purpose of your life is what you give, not what you hold on to, and that everything works by the principle of a seed. If you will sow it, you will reap it, but you can never reap. And you can pray till you're blue in the face and you can get Carrie and I to pray and fast with you. We probably won't, but you can ask for God to bless you financially. But if there's no seeds, there ain't no harvest. Think about that. Let it be an inspiration. I hope it changes your life. It's been really a privilege to share this with you. Thank you. Thank you, Excellent. darling. Excellent. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, darling. Thank you.